Hello and welcome to The REIT Report. I'm your host, Sarah Borks from Quito, and today my guest is Nikki Greenberg, founder and CEO of Real Estate of the Future. Nikki is a thought leader in real estate who started her career in the industry as an architect. Along the way, she also founded the networking organization Women in PropTech and is co-chair of ULI New York's Real Estate Technology Council. Nikki, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm absolutely delighted to be speaking to you and your membership. So, Nikki, how have the last seven months changed your views regarding the urgency for real estate companies to make their assets future ready? It's a good question. And, you know, have my views changed? Well, yes and no. You know, the yes part is that there is a health crisis and that these are unprecedented times in terms of the economic fallout and the impact on our industry and everything else. And this is very real, and I'm definitely not negating the impact of that. But I also say no, because you know, when I go back to my website and I take a look at it, I actually did not change a single word on there. Because the issues that we have for our industry as we think about the future, they, they simply haven't changed. And we have a wonderful, um, a wonderful opportunity at the moment for us to use the environment at the moment as a catalyst for us to be able to do things in a different way. And the way that I essentially describe the need for the industry to change is that we need to look at the technologies and the way that we live and how much has just changed over the past decade. You know, now we use Netflix, we use Uber, you know, our, you know, those that have kids, they're probably sitting on, you know, World of Warcraft and, um, you know, playing Fortnite and that's how they're spending their time. Obviously our addictions to our phones. So the way that we actually live and consume and work, that's changed quite a lot. But the spaces that we have haven't really kept up with these trends. So for us, what we need to be doing really is looking into the future a little bit. And when I say the future, I like to use 2030 as a goalpost about where we want to go. And there's a, there's a few reasons behind that, um, which I'll outline while, while we're talking today. And when we're looking to, okay, well, where do we want to go in the next 10 years? That's, that hasn't changed. And that's what we want to be thinking about in terms of the types of, um, you know, the way that we design, build, operate. Um, and evaluate uh, different types of real estate. So, you know, it's it's something that, um, you know, the, the urgency has changed in the immediate for us to bring in new measures. But in terms of the um, longer term outlook, this is something that hasn't changed and we really need to use this as an opportunity to become future ready um, as we look towards 2030. And which real estate property sectors have made the most headway in terms of positioning their assets for the future? And where would you say more needs to be done? Look, across the board, all sectors do need to do better. Um, I'm situated in New York. I'm Australian, in case you're trying to guess my accent. And with New York, it's an incredibly vibrant, dynamic and innovative place. And often people look to New York as being, you know, really ahead of the trends when it comes to real estate. But then when you talk to operators here, they'll straight away go, no, 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 no. You know, New York is actually lagging behind in terms of technological adoption and, and innovation. You know, the average age of commercial building in New York is actually 85 years old. So it's not this, you know, glitzy, fast-moving, um, super technological place that we feel it is. 
And when I speak to New Yorkers, they often say, well, Australia is really ahead of the trends in um, commercial real estate and technology adoption. But when I speak to Australians, like, no, 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 you know, we're, we're so far behind. So, you know, it's a little bit of the grass is always greener. We think that others are doing a better job at it. But really, um, there's a lot of area that we can um, all improve. So, you know, however, within the real estate space, there are alternative ways of doing things. And within what we call the prop tech space, i.e. real estate technology and innovation space, there are a lot of very, very, very smart operators that are actually thinking a lot about the, the way that the world is heading. And in particular, um, there are a lot that are thinking about flexibility, which is something that I'm a big believer in, um, and also about the types of technologies that we can use to enhance the experience of using our spaces such that they become in line with the usual way of us operating our daily lives, i.e. being able to use an app for something or being able to receive data on something. So, you know, what's, what I encourage everybody to do who's listening in on this call is that, you know, we really want to be thinking about where are we heading as an industry? What are some of the um, societal and technological changes that are happening that we need to respond to? And in thinking about how to actually get there, what you really need is a different way of thinking. Um, by that, I mean, you know, getting into the, getting people into a room, running a charrette or a sprint or um, workshop, however you want to think about it, and really focusing on, well, you know, what are the challenges that we're facing today in this environment? What are the challenges that we're going to face in the next five years? What are the challenges that we're going to face in the next 10 years? But the catch about doing this is that you have to have people in the room that don't think like you because you already know the way that things operate. You already know the challenges and why they can't change. What you want to do is you actually want to have millennials in the room. You want to have Gen Zs in the room. You want to have designers. You want to have futurists. You want to have product designers, fashion designers, people that just think in a different way to bring a little bit of creativity because what we know is that the way that we're going at the moment, the, you know, the traditional way of working and owning and operating spaces, that's actually not going to serve us in the short term, and it's not going to serve us very well in the longer term either. And the work from home experiment seems to have unleashed a whole new perspective on the function that offices serve. How fast do you think we could see the office real estate sector adapting to these changes? Absolutely. Look, we've all realized that this work from home experiment has yielded some interesting results. And the thing that we've realized is that it can actually work. It is possible to not dip your productivity while people are working remotely. And this is why we are having somewhat of a crisis in, um, in, the, commercial, in the commercial office sector because now there is a viable alternative to having office space, which is having potentially no space at all. So if people are working remote and working effectively, then we do need to think, well, why, why would people come into the office? What is the draw card? And I actually laughed at this the first time I heard about this notion, but you know, the notion of the office and where it's heading at the moment is that people come to work to socialize. I'm like, I've never gone to work to socialize. I go to work to do my work and actually I sit in front of my computer and, you know, get stuff done. But the notion now that's being, um, you know, thrown around is that, well, we go to, we are going to go to work to be in meetings, to collaborate, 
to, you know, stand at the water cooler, swap insights, you know, to chat away, and then go home or go to our private spaces, our workspaces, et cetera, to actually like, sit down and do our quiet work. So we actually, you know, if this is the way that things are heading, if you're going to work to have a, you know, a social interaction, then we do need to think about what is the experience of space that's around it? What is an office going to look like? Is it going to be a lot of cubicles? Probably not. Is it going to be spaces for, for meetings, for presentations, for sharing? Probably, you know, and, you know, how do we, how do we equip it? And how do we actually start thinking about the support functions around those spaces as well? You know, what is the retail then that's, you know, or the, or the dining or um, the types of services that then support this kind of space? If it's not sitting at your desk where you need to have, um, you know, where you need to have an um, you know, a staple supplying, you know, pens, papers, keyboards, um, you know, reams of paper. If, if it's not that, then what do we need and what's going to be helpful? And do you think the commercial real estate industry is starting to think about what a Generation Z workforce might be seeking, or are there just too many other issues right now that are taking attention away from that issue? I think... There's a compatibility between a lot of the issues we're seeing at the moment and what Gen Z wants. And this is where it becomes interesting. And, and also this is where we have not just a golden opportunity to do things in a different way, but if we embrace this opportunity of using technology to, um, you know, to work in a compatible way with our spaces, then we're actually going to be ahead of the trends and because change is coming and this is this is something that I love talking about. So as I said, I'd come back to why 2030 is important and we're going to be talking a little bit about Gen Z and why Gen Z is important today. And this is something that I feel is just not spoken about enough, but it's just so incredibly important. Now, the first thing we need to realize is that Gen Z already today, they're the largest population group globally they are incredibly significant in terms of size already. And by 2030, along with millennials, they're going to constitute 75% of the workforce. And that is why 2030 is so important. So really, when we're thinking about workspace and places and who's making the decisions, we need to be thinking about what does Gen Z and what do millennials want. And this is something that is very important. Now, the big overarching theme about Gen Z and the way that they think and interact with the world and what they want is that they were born into a world that already had the internet. So their expectation of spaces and experiences is that they have to be 100% digital because this is the world that they know. So personally, I'm a millennial, so I'm a hybrid. When I was at school, I, if I wanted to do a homework assignment, I had to go to the library, go to a catalog, Stick through with my fingers along the cards, go to the shelves, pull out a book or an encyclopedia, and that's how I found information. So I'm a lot more patient as a millennial about whether things are available digitally or if I have to do them in an analog or backwards way. But a Gen Z doesn't know any different. They just know that the digital is the way that everything's done. So this is the first most important thing is that everything has to be digital and uncompromising about it. Now, the second thing is I'm actually going to read out a short little list about some attributes of Gen Z, and I would encourage everybody to write them down because this is important. So remember, this is the largest global population group today. 
and this is going to be 75% of the workforce in the next 10 years. We're not talking next 50 years or a different lifetime. This is the next 10 years. And I'm going to come back and just talk about some of the attributes as they relate to real estate that you will want to be thinking about as some examples. I'm going to read off the list. Firstly, Gen Z, they view products as services. Secondly, they expect personalization. Thirdly, they expect brands to take a stand. Um, you know, the fourth thing is that they are communicaholics. And number five, they're entrepreneurial. And you can look up on, um, you know, Google and other places to find more about these attributes. So now let's, let's think about it for a moment and take it back into the realm of real estate. So what might a Gen Z friendly space be like in, um, in commercial real estate? Let's stick to commercial. So if we want to think about products and services, what we're really thinking about there is something that doesn't actually have a physical presence. It's more of, you know, you have an app for that. It's about having an, you know, thinking of real estate as a series of services and operators that come in. You know, we're already talking about hospitality style operators. You know, Flexspace is another example. There's different companies now that um, also rent out furniture. So that you're not buying furniture anymore, but you can actually rent something and keep swapping it out every month or two weeks in a non, not too different way as you do with fashion with rent the runway, um, that you're not making a commitment to owning something. So this is product as a service. You know, you get to have a personalized experience because it's not something that's fixed. It's something that's always changing. You know, the operations, the feeling, the um, attributes of the space inside is always slipping around and actually relates to what you want. And, you know, the other thing that's important in there is expecting brands to take a stand. You've seen that the Gen Z, you know, they are the climate warriors. They do care about our planet and their future. Um, so this is something that in terms of, you know, carbon reduction, in terms of material sourcing, et cetera, we really want to be thinking about because they are asking these types of questions. Now, now, kind of coming back a little bit to what some of the, um, you know, the competing issues might be and while we may not always be thinking, um, you know, 10 years ahead and thinking about, you know, Gen Z, which seems at the moment to be this abstract concept because you're really thinking about, oh, you know, what are, you know, what are our children going to want, our grandkids or whatever it might be. I think we also just want to have the opportunity to be a little bit brave and try different things now and understand that we don't necessarily have all the solutions that are set in concrete, but we have an opportunity to shape it. You know, the, the trend in workspace for some time has been thinking that millennials want to have ping pong tables and, you know, beer taps and, you know, and, and all the rest, um, you know, with a sense of community that everyone comes together and, you know, has a great time. But, you know, really what's important is the sense of, giving individuals the experience that they want and thinking about, you know, very much as we can with, um, you know, with technology and app and e-commerce, that you can start customizing things. If I want to sit by a window, why can't I sit by a window? Why do I need to have six seating? If I want to get a massage during the day, like, I can just call one up on an app. You know, I can do that at home. Why can't I do that in the workplace? This is, you know, this on-demand is available to us and it's something that's valuable to us. You know, when the trend of, you know, beer taps and ping pong tables came out, the on-demand wasn't available. But somehow, it, you know, we try something new and we get stuck in it 
and then that becomes a normal even when it's not serving us. So I think we can start to think about some of these you know, quick to implement, low cost solutions in terms of operations and flexibility for spaces that we don't need to necessarily have a hard cost tied in. And this is something that's incredibly um, enticing, um, not just for Gen Z, but everyone else will benefit from it as well. Great. And in closing, Nikki, are there some other trends that you're looking at closely, particularly those that might be under the radar right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm big, big, big on flexibility. And it's something that I've been talking about for a very long time. It's something that I talk about a lot with my, um, you know, with my consulting clients. Um, I've been doing a lot of talks for, you know, for boards and for company all hands around this changing environment in which we find ourselves. And I really do believe that during these uncertain times, when we're not sure what's going to happen and we're not sure about what's going to come next, flexibility is key. And that's the only solution that, where, that we can go for. Now, flexibility can take different shapes. Um, something that I've always been talking about is about mixed uses and a combination of uses, also diurnal use. and. I like to use the analogy of a school. You know, a school during the day, not in New York at the moment, uh, which is very disappointing, um, but a school during the day has kids come in, they finish at 3 o'clock, and then the building sits empty until you know the janitors come in, they clean up, and then it's sitting empty. Why can't we have other uses in the school? You know, the same applies to offices. They're sitting empty at night. You know, shops, they close at certain times. Bars, they close at certain times and they're open at other times. So why can't we have a change of use in the same kind of spaces and get more out of our assets? You know, I love seeing um, different uses that are compatible, such as like when you have a barbershop that's also a coffee shop or um, in Japan is quite lovely. Their internet, I don't know if they do it anymore. It's been about 10 years since I've been in Tokyo. But the internet cafes were big things because you go to the internet cafe, you can also have a shower, you can also have a nap, you can, you know, you can do a whole lot of different things there. That it's not just about internet, it's about what else do you want to do around this? And this is a place that then becomes, you know, a hub and has so much more life, which I think is absolutely brilliant. So, as I said, I'm big on flexibility. I think, um, especially now, while we're going through a time where there are a lot of vacant spaces, not just for um, commercial, but for retail, residential, with a lot of people with, you know, peak high vacancy rates for rental properties, sitting at 5% or 15,000 um, today, which is unheard of in Manhattan. Well, we do have a lot of vacant spaces. We need to be thinking, okay, well, you know, supply and demand. So we have a lot of supply. What is in demand? What kind of spaces, you know, what kind of uses do we want in spaces? And starting to think about, you know, quick and easy and flexible, adaptable, on-demand types of uses that can come into it. So I think if we start thinking in terms of flexibility, um, finding on-demand services, and finding operators to actually activate spaces um, in terms of the uses that are in short supply. Childcare might be another one that comes up there, um, you know, or you know, homeschooling, teaching theaters, uh, you know, uh, theaters with um, you know, small pods or whatever it might be, responding to our current needs. I think when we start thinking in these terms, you know, flexibility, 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 to get us through these uncertain times and will probably serve us in the long run, to be honest. I think there's an incredible opportunity there for us in our industry. 
Great. Nikki, this has been really interesting. Thanks so much for your time. Great. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight. And to our listeners, for more on the future of real estate and the REIT industry in particular, be sure to visit NARIT's website, REIT.com.